Welcome to this special Budget Night episode of Goodwill Hunters. I'm your host, Rachel Mason-Nunn. I recorded this episode with ACFID CEO Mark Purcell less than an hour ago. It's not edited, it's very candid, and we've just focused on getting this information to you as quickly as possible. We have invited Minister for International Development and the Pacific Alex Hawke on the show next week to respond to Mark's comments, as well as give some context on the budget more broadly, and we will continue budget coverage in the coming weeks. Enjoy the interview. Mark, thanks for speaking with me. We've both only just seen the budget in the last couple of hours, so I know there's still a lot to digest. But to begin with, what are the headlines from this budget? Look, overall, uh, there has been a very welcome increase to assistance in the Pacific and Timor-Leste to respond to COVID-19, $304 million over two years. And that is a one-off uh, uh, fund uh, that is designed to tackle public health, uh, food security, uh, and, and basically air communications in the light of the crisis. So that's great news. I think it's absolutely needed given the, the disastrous uh, reductions in economic growth and GDP for many uh, small island states in the Pacific, but also in in PNG, the uh, the largest Pacific, uh, our largest Pacific neighbour. Um, then overall, though, the context is that the Australian aid program remains at four billion dollars. So this COVID recovery support is a one-off supplementary uh, assistance package. Uh, the government is saying um, so. The, they're trying to make some distinction that the overall aid program remains at uh, $4 billion and uh, that's 0.22% of gross national income, which is the, the common measure for um, overseas aid for, for uh, most of the countries in the OECD. So by, by comparison, the UK uh, is 0.7% of, of its gross national income uh, compared with Australia at 0.22% of GNI. And that's a concern overall that the trajectory isn't, isn't increasing um, if you take the supplementary assistance for the Pacific out. Um, so those fundamentals do need to be addressed. Um, more generally, uh, while the... Uh, you know, we give the government, uh, uh, you know, I think we could give it a B plus for its efforts into the Pacific uh, with that uh, uh, special support. Uh, we're really giving a D for Asia uh, in, in marking because it must try harder in the lead up to the May 2021 budget. And the reason I'm saying that is pretty much across Asia, the the budget um, is pretty pretty stagnant, except worryingly, uh, you know, in in uh, West Asia, uh, where you've got some of the, the highest rates of absolute poverty in, in our region, we've seen a 34% decrease in assistance to Afghanistan, 20% decrease in Bangladesh, 20% decrease in Sri Lanka. And as your listeners would be aware, you know, those, those countries, uh, each of them have uh, many 
many hundreds of millions of people between them that uh, live below the poverty line. And so every bit that Australia does in a pandemic of this scale is vital assistance. So we're, we're you know, very disappointed to see that. And, of course, it comes after um, the cut uh, to Pakistan in last year's budget. So this year, for the first time in um, really since Pakistan became independent, Australia will not be assisting uh, the people of Pakistan. Um, more widely, um, we've also seen some surprising decreases in areas that you would think that the government would want to make um, uh, a show because we, we have been leaders. So, for example, uh, with disability, where it's not a big part of the aid program, but Australia has been considered a world leader in its inclusive development approach in uh, its, its assistance programs overseas. And uh, it's been chopped by 25%, you know, it, it, down from 12 million to, to around about nine. They're, they're rough figures, but it begs a question, why? Um, given, given our leadership in that space, why we would be walking away from it in, you know, in the you know, context of a global pandemic. And it, so it's begging some questions about what's going on there, which, which do require, um, you know, the government to answer, I believe. Um, you know, mate, mate, we can give them the benefit of doubt. Maybe there's some 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 um, logistical reasons for it, but it seems pretty pretty surprising given it's such a small amount of money and Australia's leadership uh, up until this point in time in that area. Um, other areas um, that are also uh, disappointing to see reductions includes assistance to Palestinians through the UN uh, relief agency there. Um, and a rather surprising decrease to the International Committee of the Red Cross uh, for its work globally, uh, you know, at a time when there is uh, rising authoritarian leadership and crackdowns on human rights defenders and civil society uh, organisations in many countries in our part of the world as weather further afield, the, the ICIC's role in visiting those prisoners of conscience is critically important. And it's surprising that a a government that has prided itself on its stance on human rights, again, would be reducing funding to uh, probably the only organisation in the world that can get access to those political prisoners. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. I think the most confusing thing at this point is the additional $305 million of funding is not ODA. Yeah, um, this $304.7 million over two years has been um, uh, presented as a response package and uh, for, quote, critical temporary economic support targeting the Pacific and Timor-Leste to address the costs of the pandemic. And uh, they've said it's supplementary funding uh, for COVID-19 and it's separate from Australia's 4B and ODA program. So what does that mean? Well, it may be that uh, the government is saying, well, you know, once the pandemic's over, uh, Australia's uh, overall development assistance program will lapse back into sort of decline um, and uh, stagnation and, and, and won't meet the ambitions of other Similar similar countries like uh, the UK I mentioned or Canada, which has been scaling up, and even New Zealand, uh, closer to home, that's been uh, increasing their aid program. 
Um, it might be to do, secondly, with the politics of uh, a domestic response to COVID, that there is um, the government or some in the government didn't want to give any hint that uh, the supplementary assistance, as it's called, um, was uh, taking away uh, resources or attention from uh, the needs of the Australian population. But given that the aid program is less than 1% of the overall federal budget, um, you know, it, it does sort of question why there would be that sort of jitteriness about such a small small percent of the overall uh, federal budget. So I guess we're going to be left asking that question of the ministers, and it's something that they should answer. And I'm not quite sure technically how it can be managed, because if we are giving uh, assistance to those countries, and uh, DFAT did confirm tonight that it is grant aid uh, to address COVID-19, um, then um, it's hard We'd be hard-pressed to say to the OECD, which we're required as a member of the OECD to report to on our development assistance, why this uh, amount is somehow um, ineligible from uh, being accounted for. So I think it requires more, more probing and questioning of the government. But nevertheless, you know, whatever the, um, you know, the, 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 the ledger uh, accounting. This initiative is welcome. The government has increased Australia's aid overall, and that's a very, very important and welcome initiative given the scale of the pandemic and the impacts on the Pacific. Uh, now what we need to do is turn our attention to other larger countries to our north in Asia and do the same in May 21. Hopefully we can get Minister Alex Hawke to clarify that decision on the show next week. Multilaterals is another question. Funding to the World Bank and the Asian Development Bank appears to increase, but funding to the World Health Organization has decreased. Seems like an odd decision. So, yeah, no, it is. It is interesting to note that um, there has been a substantial increase in replenishments to the Asian Development Bank and the World Bank. I think what's more surprising is, as you say, that the assistance to WHO has remained stagnant at 12.4 million. And now I know that the government has shared in part its critique, uh, the critique of um, um, other, some other governments of the WHO and its management of the global pandemic. But nevertheless, uh, we have relied on the WHO uh, in undertaking the investigation that uh, into the source of the pandemic that Australia... Uh, was the first to call for uh, in terms of that investigation. Um, and as we know, uh, uh, the WHO is the only body really that can get access uh, into key countries like China in that investigation. Um, I think if we've got a problem, we have issues with the WHO, and uh, I'm not saying that the government would say automatically that we have, uh, but, you know, it's if we think we've there's issues, then we, we need to be part of the solution. Uh, so it seems surprising to me that in the biggest pandemic in a century, uh, Australia has not given any increase in assistance to the World Health Organisation, uh, which has clearly got more pressure on it than at any other time, you know, probably in its history. Um, Australia should be playing a constructive role as a middle power in assisting the global coordination and response. Now, we have put money into 
the uh, COVID-19 vaccine access and health security program, 23.2 million, and we have put 80 million into um, Gavi, uh, the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunisation, for its COVAX facility advanced market commitment uh, to give access uh, for any vaccines in the future into the Pacific and Southeast Asian countries, and that's a very welcome uh, initiatives at a multilateral level. But, yeah, WHO, um, very, very surprising that we're not not trying to be part of the solution there and helping it, it with its uh, incredible demands on it in, in its response. Okay, let's just talk bilateral programs quickly. So we know that funding to some Pacific Island countries like Fiji, Tonga, Vanuatu has increased, but funding to Papua New Guinea and the Solomon Islands has actually decreased. And I understand DFAT has told you that that was because the Coral Sea Cable Infrastructure Project has ended. Do you think that's the only reason? Yeah, look, um, looking at the the fundamentals um, uh, in those two bilateral programs of PNG and the Solomon Islands, I think there's there's a normal ebb and flow in bi- bilateral allocations um, in the Pacific over time, and uh, I think we can take the government's explanations uh, at face value uh, around the Coral Sea Cable System. Um, what, I mean, what's what's uh, important to note, of course, is the increase in lending to the government of PNG. Um, uh, and those those very substantial loans of uh, several hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, I think it's important that uh, Australia uh, not only uh, defers the uh, starting date for repayments, but now given the parlous nature of the PNG economy, we actually look at cancelling the debt and Australia historically has played a leading role amongst nations uh, in calling for debt cancellation because the way that works is that governments that are recipients of loans, uh, such as the PNG government from Australia, uh, negotiate that the payments that they would have made back to Australia will instead uh, go into vital services in health and education uh, for their people and it seems only right that uh, that in lending to the people of PNG in time of crisis, that uh, we wouldn't be demanding that money back in the future, given that it's a developing country, that we would look at ways to negotiate that it, those loans basically are cancelled and bring benefit back to the people of PNG. I think that's what the Australian people would like to see, and that's what we're calling on the government to do. It'll be good to get a response from the Minister on that one. It's clear that from a sectoral perspective, funding for health and water and sanitation hygiene programs has increased. I have a question mark around infrastructure. The last budget felt as though there was a strong focus on infrastructure. This year it appears that funding to some infrastructure programs will decrease. Is that the case? Yeah, I think... That's right. I think some areas uh, that traditionally Australia, uh, certainly under the the, the current government, uh, has focused on around energy uh, infrastructure, innovation that formerly uh, was, um, you know, championed by uh, Julie Bishop when she was foreign minister. 
have have been deprioritised as the, the priority has been uh, squarely on um, the COVID response. But having said that, the Australian Infrastructure Finance Financing Facility for the Pacific uh, is now starting to announce some of the projects uh, um, that it's funding and um, uh, several of them are focused on infrastructure, obviously. So, um, um, financing to the Solomon Islands Electricity Authority to complete the connection of the Tina River hydropower development project um, to the main electricity grid. Uh, Honiara, um, you know, uh, the capital of Solomon's, you know, is, is an example. Um, so we we would expect to see infrastructure through that uh, financing facility. Um, but more generally, I think the, the attention has shifted this year, uh, rightfully, to responding to the health and economic uh, consequences of COVID-19. The only other um, question on the cut specifically is the, the budget says that $200 million in, uh, in aid funding has been cut from other departments. Do you know what that means? Historically, so um, generally uh, Australia's overseas development assistance is not uh, in, all delivered by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Uh, the actual uh, overall percentage is predominantly DFAT and it generally sits at around about 90%, but can fluctuate from year to year. Sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower. Uh, this year we've seen uh, quite a dramatic decline uh, in delivery from other government departments um, uh, from 444 million uh, last financial year down to 247.9. And the primary reason for that uh, is really because a lot of those programs are technical assistance where uh, Australians working in government departments primarily uh, send over as uh, technical assistance and in-line ministries to work with their counterparts. Uh, there may be also other programs involving the Australian Federal Police uh, as well. And so uh, there is a decline. There's no clear explanation of that uh, currently uh, as to the, the specific program. So we're going to have to go back and ask further questions of the government uh, as to which, which government departments are ceasing or stopping programs uh, or um, decreasing them in the current situation and what continues because uh, a quarter of a million uh quarter of a billion 247 uh, million is still a substantial amount of money so it's important that that is publicly accountable and the government does provide some explanation of what's going on there and uh they do uh those other government departments do uh report to, uh, and make uh themselves transparent and accountable to the australian taxpayer uh, to that uh, end, it's 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 worrying that the Office of Development Effectiveness uh, is is still not clear uh, whether the independent advisory uh, uh, board that oversaw its activities how that is going to operate, how there's going to be independent scrutiny of expenditure, but really in the absence of scrutiny or independent scrutiny, it might fall upon uh, the Australian National Audit Office to look at uh, evaluating the effectiveness of some of these other government 
department expenditure and just provide advice on how useful it is. And if, if people can't travel at the moment, it could be a good time during a pause to actually look at its efficacy. It's, uh, I'm not saying that it isn't. It could be uh, some brilliant technical assistance occurring there, but unless there's independent uh, reporting and, and scrutiny and evaluation, how will we ever know? Okay, so we definitely need some more clarity around where those programs have been cut. Just in closing now, last year on Budget Night, there were over 100 pages of documents shared on the aid budget. Tonight we've seen four. What does that say about the prioritisation of aid in this budget? Well, I think there's been a slow decline in the level of transparency by the department over the years and what we're calling for is an increase in transparency on public expenditure, taxpayers' dollars uh, and how they're spent overseas. We've got headlines here. We are told uh, that uh, we need to look at the country uh, response plans uh, that are forthcoming uh, from the government to see the details, but nevertheless, I think we need more um, accountability and transparency in general and more information. Uh, so in the information that has been produced so far, uh, it doesn't uh, explain Australia's overall uh, ranking or GNI uh, contribution. Uh, so that, that's, that's problematic in and of itself because it's a standard measure that's been used uh, for over you know, 50 years in reporting Australia's aid levels. And this year, it appears to have disappeared, it, unless it pops up it's somewhere else in uh, budget papers, but certainly in the materials uh, provided by uh, DFAT tonight, it, it's not there. And it does matter because Australia is uh, in the top 20 developed countries in the world. It does matter that we compare ourselves on a league ladder with other nations to show that we're pulling our weight. It does matter that other countries like the UK, Canada, New Zealand have increased uh, their aid program over the last few years, uh, their development assistance to other countries. It is welcome that Australia has increased our assistance to the Pacific uh, and it's puzzling that that has not been included in our overseas, our official overseas development assistance, but we call on the government to keep up its efforts to increase our assistance in this part of the world, particularly into Asia, uh, and make a difference. Okay, to close then, you gave the government a B plus at the start of this interview. Any final remarks? B plus for its efforts in the Pacific and Timor-Leste. D, must try harder uh, in Asia. And um, I think for Australians, the aid program now is a critical tool to help build a more stable, prosperous region and also to help build and support efforts by uh, countries in Asia and Pacific to recover. And so to the extent that um, we assist our neighbours then I think that the Australian aid program can actually bring many benefits back to Australia at a critical time when we are highly dependent upon economic recovery and stability and the health pandemic raging through 
many countries in our part of the world uh, coming to an end. So our recovery is tied up with our neighbours' recovery and the aid program is critical to helping um, build build uh, a more healthy, prosperous region. And so we look to the government uh, in the May 21 budget to step up and do more uh, and build on the very welcome announcement tonight uh, in the Pacific.